0: The America's National Parks podcast is sponsored by LL Bean, dedicated to helping you experience all the benefits of time outside and stay more comfortable while you're out there. From soft and breathable activewear designed to do it all, to just right layers perfect for changing weather, to sun smart clothing that blocks the sun's harmful rays. Every LL Bean product is made with comfortable time outside in mind. Visit LLbean.com to shop now. LL Bean. Be an outsider. Hottest days on record. New mask wearing requirements. Congress has hearings on park crowding. Lightning strikes several visitors to the Grand Canyon. And a whole slew of terrible park visitors. It's time for the latest in National Park News. Welcome to the America's National Parks Podcast. I'm Jason Epperson, and each month we set aside one episode to share with you the latest news and happenings in our nation's treasures. And fair warning for this month, it's full of absolutely terrible park visitors. But we start off hot this episode, record-breaking hot. On July 11th, a weather station at Stovepipe Wells in Death Valley National Park recorded an average temperature. Average, meaning all day and night, of 118.1 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the highest average daily temperature observed on Earth. Two days earlier, Furnace Creek saw a high of 130 degrees Fahrenheit, a tie with the hottest reliably recorded temperature on Earth set first last August. Over the years, the record temperature of 134 degrees set in 1931 has been under scrutiny as questions abound surrounding the meteorological conditions and the equipment used to take the readings. Both the 2020 and 2021 records will be reviewed by the World Meteorological Association before they're considered official. New guidance from the CDC on mask wearing will have masks again required indoors at many National Park Service facilities and buildings operated by other federal land agencies across the country, even by people who are vaccinated. Instead of a blanket mask requirement, the new guidance recommends masks in areas where transmission rates are high, and the White House has decided to make those recommendations into requirements in federal buildings. Since transmission rates change regularly, the areas where masks are required will too. In Utah, for instance, four of the five national parks will require masks and doors. That includes shuttle buses and campground restrooms. COVID cases have begun to climb in Utah in recent weeks, due in part to the new highly contagious Delta variant. Travelers should also expect new state and local mask requirements in many of these high transmission risk areas. From our friends over at National Parks Traveler, the overcrowding problem in national parks was the subject of a Senate subcommittee hearing Wednesday. Ideas for possible fixes that were raised during the hour-long hearing were improvements in technology to guide park visitors to less crowded areas, marketing campaigns to highlight smaller, overlooked units of the park system, more shuttle systems to manage traffic, and even additional parks added to the system. Even businesses in gateway communities are feeling the burn. A Chamber of Commerce director from Montana said, if anything, business is a little bit too good right now and that there aren't enough workers to fill the jobs available. There are 423 parks in the national park system encompassing over 85 million acres, but half of all recreational visits are occurring at only the top 23 most visited parks. In 2019, before the pandemic, Overall visitation to the system was nearly 20% higher than it was back in 2013. Simply put, overcrowding isn't exactly a COVID thing, though that has certainly driven even more people into parks. Arches National Park in Utah is so popular that during the summer, it has to close its entrance station every day to control visitation. At some parks, visitors are spreading out beyond existing trails, increasing wildlife disruption. There's been more vandalism, trash, and human waste than ever before. Traffic gridlock, long lines for basic services, and crowding in the most popular attractions. In addition, between 2011 and 2019, the Park Service lost 16% of its staff capacity. Check out National Park Traveler's full report, which also covers the successes and failures with reserved entry in parks over the last year and a half. I'll link to it in the description for this episode. And check out their excellent podcast, available wherever you listen to this one. It's monsoon season in the West, and though rain has been scarce, there have been a few times it's hit hard and strong. On July 14th, two individuals went missing and several others were injured after a flash flood hit a camp at Mile 38 on the Colorado River in Grand Canyon National Park. Search and Rescue sent two paramedics to the scene to assess and treat patients. The weather limited access for overnight search and rescue operations, but at about 2.30 a.m., one patient who was in critical condition was flown out via helicopter. Four additional patients were evacuated by air the next day. A commercial river trip located the two missing individuals, one deceased and one uninjured. The victim has been identified as Rebecca Copeland, 29, of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Flash floods are common in the desert southwest, including northern Arizona. This is because the arid, sparsely vegetated environments found in these areas have little capacity to absorb rainfall. The resulting runoff moves rapidly through the narrow canyons and steep terrain found throughout the region. In many areas, even small storms can turn normally dry stream beds into raging torrents of water in a matter of minutes. But it's not just fast and heavy rain that can be dangerous in a storm. On July 20th, several people were struck by lightning at the Bright Angel Trailhead in Grand Canyon National Park. A 30-year-old man and a 28-year-old woman were initially found unresponsive. The man regained consciousness without intervention cpr and advanced life-saving interventions were initiated on the woman and she regained a pulse due to the significant storm activity air transport was not available and both patients were transported by ground to the flagstaff medical center the woman is reported to be in stable condition at least two other patients self-transported to the grand canyon Clinic. With lightning splash injuries. A splash occurs when lightning strikes a taller object near the victim and a portion of the current jumps from that taller object. The person acts as a short circuit for some of the energy in the lightning discharge. Side flashes or splashes often occur when the victim is within a foot or two of the object that is struck. Most often, splash victims have taken shelter under a tree to avoid rain or hail. The park is reminding visitors that if the sound of thunder follows a lightning flash within 30 seconds or less, they should seek shelter in a building or vehicle. In Grand Canyon National Park, lightning strikes an average of 25,000 times per year. An Idaho woman has been fined nearly $6,000 for failing to properly store food and garbage at her campsite in Grand Teton National Park. A grizzly bear got into the food and neighboring campers took photos of the incident. Park staff tracked down the bear, tranquilized it, fit it with a radio collar, and took it by boat across Jackson Lake to be relocated because the bear had now learned the campground was a source of food. Odors attract bears into parking lots, campgrounds, and picnic areas. Food and items like toiletries that have a smell should be stored in a bear-resistant food storage locker or in a hard-sided vehicle with the doors locked and windows closed day and night. Never store food, garbage, or toiletries in tents. Nearby at Yellowstone, a video went viral in May of a woman walking way too close to a mother bear and her cubs near a parking lot. She came within three yards of the trio, with just a thigh-high stone barrier between them. The mother bear bluff-charged and the woman dashed back to her car. And ever since, Yellowstone rangers had been seeking information on the woman and they finally found her. They charged her with feeding, touching, teasing, frightening, or intentional disturbing wildlife, a federal violation of park policy barring visitors from getting within 100 yards of a bear. She's set to appear for a hearing at the Yellowstone Justice Center in Wyoming on August 26th. Investigators found her because she unfollowed the Yellowstone National Park Facebook page the day that officials made a public plea to identify the woman from the video. She had also posted photos of the bears on her Facebook page and investigators put two and two together. Also from Yellowstone back in July of 2020, while wearing a raccoon skin hat and waving an American flag, Aaron Merritt ran out on the Old Faithful thermal area and up to the geyser more than once. He was apprehended and released on bail, then failed to appear for his court hearing two weeks later, and a warrant was issued for his arrest. Well, he was finally arrested on June 5th of 2021 in Maine and made his appearance at the Yellowstone Justice Center, where he was sentenced to 15 days imprisonment with credit for four days served. He was fined $200 and banned from Yellowstone permanently. On July 6th, a wild horse named Moonshadow was found dead by a park employee in the Oceanside Campground of Assateague Island National Seashore. It's believed that the four-year-old mare's injuries were due to a hit-and-run automobile accident the previous week. Both the mare and her foal were likely involved in a low-speed motor vehicle accident. The foal is still lame, but has improved and continues to move around with her band. She'll remain in the wild, but park staff will continue to monitor her condition in the weeks ahead. Finally, several trails have reopened in Rocky Mountain National Park after being damaged by the East Troublesome Fire last October. Crews have removed downed trees and replaced and repaired bridges and trail stabilization materials. Many bridges and replacement material, like pressure-treated logs, were prefabricated over the winter. These items were flown in this spring to expedite reopening of areas and limit further damage to the trails. Pressure-treated logs are being used to rebuild burned staircases, retaining walls, and turnpikes. Ninety-four people are working in the park on repairing burn area trails this summer. Fifty are Rocky Mountain National Park trail crew members. Four are from the National Park Service Southeast Utah Group. Assisting are 40 volunteers from various organizations. Before we leave you, if you're enjoying our podcast and you're enjoying the information we provide, we hope you'll become a supporter. We have a new Patreon program over at Patreon.com slash National Parks Podcast, where you can support us for as little as $3 a month. If you become a supporting member of the podcast, it helps us pay writers to track down the stories that are important to you. So we do hope you'll consider joining Patreon.com slash National Parks Podcast podcast that's it for this episode of news from the parks we'd be so grateful if you'd leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts and don't forget to follow us on facebook twitter and instagram for more great american destinations listen to the See america podcast and if you're interested in rv travel give us a listen over at the rv miles podcast today's show was sponsored by ll bean follow the hashtag be an outsider and visit llbean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks